Hello and welcome to Her Ambition, the podcast that celebrates a generation of female leaders opening doors for the next. I'm your host, Josie Zakwarashuka, and welcome to our student series, where each week I'll be talking with an influential student about her experience at university, her mistakes and successes, and her advice on how we can make this year at uni the best it can be. Joanna Baptista is a multi-award winning social entrepreneur, public speaker and activist and economics and management student at the University of Oxford. Her social enterprise, SheDot, works to reverse taught prejudice by taking classic fairy tales and rewriting them with a modern twist and has reached over 15 countries and received endorsements from the likes of Peter Tatchell and Mariam Margulies. Joanna is also the co-founder of UniPair, an initiative to help minority and disadvantaged school students receive offers to Oxford University. Joanna is also a two-time TEDx speaker with other notable talks, including speaking for Facebook's International Women's Day and to Her Royal Highness, Princess Anne. So Joanna, welcome to Her Ambition. Thank you so much for having me, Josie. It's great to be here. It's really exciting to have you on. And as we were just saying before, I'm really looking forward to this conversation because we're going to be talking about Generation Z and younger students and you are a student as well and you're our very first student on so that's really really exciting. I love that, (laughs) glad to be the first. (laughs) Yeah, awesome. So as this podcast works we first of all start by asking a few random questions just to get the ball rolling and to get over the Zoom fatigue that we all have at the moment. Mm -hmm. So my very first question for you is what was your dream job when you were a child? I'm talking like five years old, six years old. <laughs> I went through, I, I don't know if this is a common thing, but I was definitely that person who wanted to do so many different things all the time. So at one point in time, I really wanted to be a chef. I also really wanted to be a hairdresser. Then my parents told me that I needed to, you know, aim a bit more ambitious, I guess. So I decided that I was going to own a hairdressing salon and cut the hair. So it was a two in one job. Um, so uh, yeah, all sorts of things, but very creative and anything to do with business, really. That's really interesting. So if you want to be more than the hairdresser, then own the hairdressing shop. Great. And- <laughs> but also that doesn't mean that the hairdressers are not important. It's it's about the multitasking of doing a two in one. Mm-hmm. It's about getting more. Is this the right? And this isn't even the right phrase, but I'm thinking getting more bang for your buck. But that isn't the right phrase at all. <laughs> I'm thinking make the most of it. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that. And my second one is what's something that you're really bad at? Uh, there's so much that I'm really bad at. Um, so, so much. I mean, if you ask my housemates, they'll tell you I'm really bad at making sure all the grease comes off of the pan when you're washing it up. That's something I'm terrible at. But in terms of like actual serious things that are actually important in life, I think one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is how to know when to apologize to people. Um, sometimes it's difficult and sometimes you're in the wrong you apologize and sometimes you apologize just because you need to sort of resolve the conflict and you do it for the greater good even if you think secretly that you are actually in the right or whatever that is but in general I was always very bad at both of those scenarios so it's something that I've definitely learned or I'm still working on. That's actually a really interesting one I think it's something that so many people can relate to. How have you learned through that? When have you Is that like a still work in progress kind of thing? (laughs) It's definitely a work in progress kind of thing. But something that I heard that was really helpful for me was thinking about the fact that if you let in that situation where you think someone has wronged you and you're choosing to be angry, upset, like 
worried, constantly thinking about this situation, then you're letting someone else, you're letting that other person control your emotions and your feelings. And really the only person who is in control of how you feel is you. So you are letting yourself feel worse about something. So even if you take, like, it's a reframing of, I don't want to have to concede on this point. I don't want them to think that I am, that I've, that I was in the wrong when I wasn't to actually thinking about it right now, I'm letting this other person control my life and I'm not going Mm -hmm. to let that be the case. So if I choose to forgive that, like, I don't actually care what they think. I care that I've been able to move on with my own life and and do something else for myself. So I think that reframing really helps it because it's still a bit of a selfish thing, right? But at least that way you're doing the best for both parties and still getting something that makes you move on with your life in a more productive way. That's such good advice. No, I think sometimes the best thing is to let something go. That's the most powerful thing for yourself. And my final random question for you is, if you wrote a book about your life, what would you call it? (laughs) This is a really good question. Um, I would love to write a book. It's definitely one, it was actually one of my bucket lists, not bucket lists, but like 2021 goals or something that I wanted to do during lockdown and obviously ended up not getting around to it. So (laughs) I guess I haven't really thought too much about what the title would be for the book but I think it might be something along the lines of (laughs) still trying to understand this life for myself or something like that still working it out still working it out I've got lots of stories to tell but what they actually mean for me in my life is still being worked out a really reflective book title then still trying to figure it out (laughs) yeah exactly I love it now Obviously, you've done so many things already in your life that would be a massive achievement for anyone at any age, but you're only 19. Am I thinking that is right that you're only 19? Yeah, I turned 22 weeks ago. So I'm oh, now okay. 20, but I don't want anyone to know that, okay? If everyone, anyone is listening to this, I'm still a teenager, okay? <laughs> I'm old and irrelevant now. You're clinging on to those last few moments exactly. of teenage. Yeah, you're 19, 20. <laughs> and you've done all these different things. And of course, I think... For some people on the outside, they might look at that and think, wow, like, do those things just happen to her? Like, how did she do all of those things? So I really want to know, Joanna, how did you do all of those things? How did they all happen? I'm talking the TED Talks and the awards. What's the story there? Yeah, I mean, I think this is actually a question that sometimes, yeah, that people will ask me, like, oh, how do I get into this? Or someone will be like, how do you fit it all in? And The way that I sort of frame it is that it's all like a rolling snowball, an avalanche of like destruction of my life, which all starts right at the top with like the first thing that you do. Um, You could also compare it to planting a seed, but I prefer the sort of like chaotic analogy of an avalanche where you something small starts rolling and it gradually picks up and picks up. And before you know it, it's picking up steam, rolling down the hill and getting like into something much bigger than you ever expected it to ever turn out to be. Like, no way did I when I first planted that seed or first did anything to do with um getting myself into this world that I ever think right like this is where it's going to lead you just have to start somewhere but for me that started about when I was I mean when I was at the end of junior school and beginning of senior school so like year six to year eight in the summer my dad would take me to a coding camp um which was a free one week long in the summer coding camp and obviously like things that I built were absolutely terrible like they were so bad and most of it was done by the different, uh, like by the teachers who were there to help you. Um, But it was this idea of doing something which wasn't very common at that age to learn how to code and get involved. And those skills are so invaluable to have like a really important skill set. And then about 12, my mum at the time was working at a local university near near where I live and they were doing an adult hackathon. 
for those of you who don't know what a hackathon is, it's effectively where you come together for a short period of time and you work on um, solving a problem. And it's usually with coding. So you'd use technology or something to solve it, but it can also be very much a business case. So you're just like developing um, a proof of concept, but actually what's more important is the business component and it can be for all sorts of things. Um, but I went to one of these and the idea was I was just going there to watch. It was kind of like a fun evening activity for my parents to sort of get rid of me for a few hours. And then I ended up getting sucked in, getting really involved, participating. And my team like somehow ended up winning um, this like adult competition like, hackathon of which the prize was to pitch to real investors who were giving away like hundreds of thousands of pounds. And I, at 12 years old, had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And I thought it was quite fun. So I, I think it's incredible, like when you're younger, how much confidence you have in something because you think you don't understand like how serious it is so I went in with a presentation which if I look back on now I absolutely cringe it's so bad but that was sort of the start of everything another question that I get asked a lot is you know how do you have confidence public speaking you do a lot of public speaking how does it fit in and I think it's because it started so young before I knew to be scared of it that now it sort of feels quite second nature um, and then once you start doing something and you feel like pitching to investors is a normal after-school activity. Well, then suddenly doing a TEDx talk three weeks before your A-levels suddenly also seems like quite a normal thing to do. And it all goes from there. I really like what you just said about doing something before you were too scared to be afraid of it. Yeah. I've never heard anyone say that before, but that's actually so true that when we're kids, we don't feel nearly as scared of doing stuff as we do when we're adults. And if we do it from that age, then it kind of comes becomes into our DNA almost. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's with everything, right? That's a lot of times when girls will say that they actually lack self-esteem. It's often in those like formative, like low teenage years when that happens. And it's a real shame because it's something that develops over time, but we're not necessarily born with. For sure. Absolutely. So was there someone who was always pushing you through those years and through those kind of years where people lose confidence? I think, well, I was very lucky in that when I was young, my parents, um, I was a very shy kid. My parents put me in girls school because they thought that otherwise I would not speak up in class. But it was just a very nurturing environment. And I think that was great in the sense that whenever you were developing, you were developing for you and not for the male gaze or to like impress or press the boys or you were distracted by them or they spoke over you or you felt like you were less than um so I think that, that was a really great learning environment for me um, but also as I mentioned in sort of like with my first experiences there were very much things that my parents encouraged me to do and got me involved in and they've always been um encouraging me to do like whatever it is that will keep me busy and interested so it's all right if that is a music or drama or sport it's all right like whatever that is um, and for me, it was sort of business and technology. But I think I've always had like a really good supportive environment that lets me then push myself. I think they're there um, not to push me directly, but to encourage me to do that for myself. Mm -hmm. So that's creating an environment where you feel like you can push yourself. Other people aren't pushing you, but you're nurtured enough to do it for yourself. Exactly. Excellent. So what's your one piece of advice there to any young girl that says, well, Joanna, I really want to be like you. I want to do TED Talks when I'm older. Like, what? the one thing that you would say to them I'd say you have to be original um if I hadn't gone to coding camps which was very unusual at the time uh, and I hadn't you know signed up to go to this business competition which was absolutely not for people my age uh, and thought you know or been pushed to go outside the box of conventionality then I don't think that I would be 
where I am here. And that's because it's it's not sort of an after school activity that you sign up for to do a TED talk, because that's something that you have to have an original idea for, an original experience for. So for anyone who's young or thinking about wanting to get involved in this kind of sphere, it's all about having something unique to say and having your own story to tell. And that will only happen if you've had an experience which is different to those of others. And that's not to say that you have to go and volunteer in the Caribbean for like a month so you develop some sort of unique story that no one else has been able to do. It's not about that at all. It's about following your passions in something that is different, unique, out of the box, um, special. Maybe that's volunteering at a local charity maybe that's starting a petition for something that you care about in school it can be anything but it's got to be something that shows your personality and your passions in a way that's a story that no one else has told yet mm-hmm. so be unusual and do unusual things absolutely that's really good advice now i'd love to talk more about university and of course you're going into your third year of university so how are you feeling about that because that is that your final <laughs> year of uni yeah, it is. Oxford is unusual in the sense that you don't really get the option to do a year abroad. Um, so I, it's weird. I, like last year I did my, not, not last year, last week, I had my very last first lecture. So it was the last time that I would ever start a lecture series for a module, um, which was scary. And then yesterday I had my last ever tutorial at one of the um, departments that I'll have because my other modules don't relate to that like particular department and I think it's just scary to think that something that started so not long ago it feels like just yesterday that was coming into university and I remember thinking three years and then I'm so excited that I don't have to do a fourth but now I'm thinking like actually I wish I had more like it just goes so quickly and I wish I had more time Um, and I've loved it Um, but I am scared to go and know that this is never something that I can repeat again. Mm-hmm. That must be really scary, actually, knowing that this is a section of your life that's over in that way, and then it's moving on to adult life. Excellent. So talking a bit more about students, you're very passionate about Generation Z and about students. What pressures do you think students are facing today that perhaps we didn't have before? Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much, really. And this is for students in terms of students themselves, but also in terms of just like um, our generation as a whole, which overlaps with being a student. And I think it also can depend on the type of age of student that you are right now. I think, for example, even when I was growing up, um, it would be different to the experience now if you're a young child, like dealing with, or not a young child, but if you're a student at that time, you were all being told like, oh, don't go on social media, like it's bad for your footprint, like be careful, parents watch out. And there's that same pressure today. But if we've all been living at home in the middle of a pandemic, that's even harder to resist or to navigate safely. And I think there's a lot of online pressures, which is something that's always existed in this idea that we have to live up to an online image of ourselves. But then on top of that, we can't afford to make mistakes because they'll be captured forever online older students and you know students like myself right now in a pandemic but also generally in 2020 and this decade is thinking about all of the life problems that we're solving so I mean we learn maths and English and science and all these other subjects to give us a rounded education but actually we're thinking about okay in science I'm literally learning about the fact that I have maybe 10 years left on this planet at most before like 
okay, we all go kaput and like no one exists on the planet anymore or like any other range of issues in English. You know, you write, a, you read some sort of like classic English Shakespeare and you're thinking like, well, where are all the female or diverse authors of any capacity? And it's thinking like, I think a lot of students now are sort of understanding the fact that they don't have, that they're missing a core part of their education or their learning, but they're learning to then in 10 years time be expected to solve all of these problems but then don't feel like they're, they're getting that or they're learning in a well-rounded way, in, an, in a way that's actually sustainable for the future. Um, and I think that they feel a lot of pressure of everything that they're going to have to use this education for without really knowing how to use that education. I think everything that you said there is just so true. Do you ever get worried when you think about the future and all the problems that we're supposed to solve? I mean, my teacher at sixth form would say to me like, you know, it's not for me to worry about. You're going to be the ones who are fixing everything. And I'm thinking, wow, there is so much that we need to fix. Is that something that you worry about? Yeah, I love that um, that phrase. That's definitely something that I've heard that sort of, that like elders of society will say it as a bit of a compliment. They're like, oh, you'll you'll all change the world. You'll all fix it. I'm like, well, that's not something that I want to be burdened with. I that's not what I want to have to do with it's my life. responsibility. Yeah, exactly. And I, th I think it is a big responsibility that we're being asked to shoulder. And obviously, it's something that is shared amongst generations. And it's not that the older generations don't want to help us or don't care about it. But they seem to have placed all of, well, we're the generation, we can't, it's not optional for us whether we care about the cause or not. Like for old generations, they can, they can care about it. And lots of them do. But it, it's not as urgent as it is for us. Like this is a necessity for us to care about all of these issues. Um, and I think that that's sometimes where the difference comes from. Well, we have to take a role in it. Otherwise it's, well, it's, it's not gonna end up very well. Carrying on talking about university, I'd love to hear what you think the best things about university are, but also what the worst things you think about university are. Yeah, I mean, when I went to uni to start with, one of the things I was most worried about was like, am I going to make friends? Am I going to find people who, are going to want to spend time with me? Am I going to have a difficult time? I'd done a, previously a couple of summer camps, which I was so, I mean, everyone has done some sort, some form of something like that in their time. But um, this was one that took place like in a university and I really enjoyed it and I thought it was super valuable, but I definitely struggled to make friends, especially because I need my bedtime. and like to, I need time to myself. Um, you know, I was slightly younger at the time, I wanted to explore different things, or I wanted to, you know, do whatever. And so it was a challenge. And I thought that that really became a fear for me. Um, in the sense of like, is this going to be a repeat experience for me? And this actually matters, like this is three years, this isn't just one month of the summer, that we're still good. And you know, I can drop out or do whatever anytime. This is something that is really fundamental and really important to my future. And this is going to be the same. But um, Luckily, and to reassure anyone else, I have made wonderful friends. I thought, fact, I think when I came back after my first time, I was like, I can't believe that I've actually made friends so easily and that everyone's been so nice. And so I think that's something that was my, one of my biggest fears about uni, but ended up being one of the best things about uni. And it's this idea of like the communities of friends that you make are just really wonderful. And I know that they'll all be friends for life the same way my school friends were, but with the added, like, 
component of this is such a pivotal time in all of our lives that they we've sort of gone through together and suffered through together at Oxford we've definitely suffered a lot and especially now because of the pandemic it's definitely an experience that our students will go through together and will definitely shape you'll definitely be able to tell the students who have gone through university in the pandemic compared to others um and so that's one of my favorite things about university and just the fact that it's really cool to be nerdy about the things that you enjoy and really cool to care about things um and want to study but I think some of the challenges then on the exact same flip side is that when people care so much about what they're doing and everyone enjoys what they're doing so much it can really get like a a difficult environment a bit of a toxic environment sometimes when it's near exams or if certain modules are on a bell curve or you're just talking about like what career you're going to go into after university those can get really competitive and actually it sort of sucks you into this vortex where from outside you're thinking like these things really don't matter but I'm at uni and suddenly they matter so much like what job I go into when actually I know that I don't mind where I go I just want to do something that I enjoy Um, and I think that's one of the challenges of uni. So sometimes when everyone around you is caring about something, it puts pressure on you to care about that as well. Yeah. And it's really like, does anyone care about it or do they just care about it because they're told at the first week of term of the first year that these are the types of characteristics of the people who do your course. And this is what they end up doing. And this is the types of activities that get involved with. And you sort of like are taught to care about something that maybe you don't actually care about or is not healthy to care about. And I'm really interested that you talked about friends there and making friends because Obviously, you're such a confident person, but would you call yourself an extrovert or actually are you more introverted? Yeah, and actually, I don't think that I'm very much a confident person. I think this is um, like not the biggest misconception about me, but something that often I portray something that I'm not. Um, and I, I'm a very, very shy person. I have a lot of like social anxiety of meeting new people. And like, I'm so that person, which is so cringe. You like, meets a group of people but like kind of talks to them for a couple of minutes and then gets a bit awkward so sits in the corner on their phone and then everyone thinks that they are really bored or that they didn't find they hate everyone there and that's not at all the case I'm just kind of too nervous to get involved um but then if you ask someone they'll say no you're like such a confident like outspoken extroverted person and I'm thinking like I don't know I I've always thought of myself very much as an extrovert and on the, the Myers-Briggs whatever whether that, whether we think that that's actually real or not I'm definitely I'm classed as an extrovert and I do I really love being with people I have a need to like get involved and get stuck in and see people and talk to people but at the same time I need to recharge my like social batteries I can't stand like I can't talk to people for too long I then need a rest like it really is draining and I think sometimes especially in those contexts where you're having to work hard to create conversation if you don't really know people too well that can be really yeah challenging to deal with um and so it's kind of a bit of a balance of like I love spending time with people but I also really need time with myself so whether that makes me an introverted extrovert or an extroverted introvert I'm not too sure but um yeah I love spending time with people but I also um couldn't do it forever Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting because I think a lot of people need both, but there's also some people who really get their energy from meeting new people and having those interactions mm. and they could do it forever. But there's other people who are more like me and you, who I really need to take time by myself and to just do things solely. Yeah, definitely. I think one of my favorite analogies is sort of like, if I come off of a long Zoom call, my muscles in my cheeks hurt so much from like just smiling all the time. And I think that's the analogy of like, you just get a bit tired if you're speaking to people so much and sometimes on zoom that's because you have to like 
force that like show the extra smiley to compensate for the fact that you can't really read body language so you go out physically like needing a break a break but then on other times it's an emotional thing of like I'm just tired and drained and I just need to spend time lying on my own and not thinking or being worried about or having to focus really carefully on one person or on a conversation so talking about that then starting your friends and needing to recharge but also needing to go out there and meet people what are your tips to start a university and making friends but also not getting completely flat out tired because it's so exhausting <laughs> I think that unless I force myself to get or like not force myself to get excited about something but I like really take the time to be excited about something instead of just letting it happen because you're so busy with life that you forget to be excited about it and then it happens um so like spending a lot of time watching videos before going to uni really thinking about how I was going to decorate my room making my list those were all things that allowed me to get excited about something even if my life was busy around it and just thinking about this was the next stage of my life and how was I going to make the most of it so that's a really big tip and then I think something that you'll hear a lot is this idea of like you're all on the same boat just keep your door propped open make friends all of this and I think that that is really true but sometimes it can feel like a bit of a cliche or like it's not really real or a practical piece of advice um, and I guess this comes back to the fact that I've just said that I'm super shy in new groups of people. I don't like it. I hate it. I can't. I don't really know how to interact. But if you think about the fact that it's sort of like your one, it's not your one shot. You will always make friends. But this is the only time when no one will know anything about you. And you can craft, you get to choose how these other people think about you. So I think just introducing myself to everyone and playing into this image of the confident person that I wanted to be at uni really helped me actually be that person because never again will you have an experience where so many people just don't know the first thing about you and that's your like big chance although don't be stressed if that doesn't happen straight away like it also depends on unis like sometimes it won't be the people in your halls who are your friends it'll be your course mates or something you do someone you do a society with so it can really depend as well on um like different settings and how long it takes you to meet people but you always will find your crowd mm-hmm. and it really is a fresh page then Mm, exactly well I guess freshers have a nice fresh page <laughs> yeah brand new canvas to to yeah be who you want to be excellent now one thing I'm actually really interested in when you're at university and you've got these you know long terms and lots of work are there any habits that you stick to that really help you get through the term yeah I think this is so important um the first habit, which isn't really a habit, but um, is something that I have to do, is just sleep. I absolutely cannot function with less than eight hours sleep on an average night. Some people can do great on six hours sleep. They can survive well. And that's, you know, great if that's you, but that is not me. So something that isn't necessarily a habit that I implemented, but something that happened out of necessity is that I really make sure to get my sleep. So something that I started to do at the beginning of last year before COVID is that every day I'd write something that I was grateful for. And like three things that I was grateful for. And I also at the beginning of the year wrote a little slip of paper for each day of the year with like a little motivational message on it. Um, and so that's something that I did every day as well, which is more just of a, a memento rather than like a really like important habit for your life. But writing things I was grateful for. And then over lockdown, I've developed that. So now I do three things that I'm grateful for. I do some little doodling because my degree is very much maths, um, writing, like very analytical so having sort of that creative side is, is really good for me, even though as I said, I'm terrible at drawing. And I also really make a conscious effort to take a few minutes to either listen to a news podcast or listen to sort of a, um, a mindfulness a few minutes and stretch a little bit. 
Like it's literally just to unclick my back, even if that's just the only thing that I do, that's already a great start. Um, and then I really try to, in general with my habits, have a setup that means that when I have a lot of work, something is really difficult, I have something to fall back on. And I think that's the quote, like this, the famous quote of like, uh, if you fail to prepare, you prefer to fail, or like you will always be like in a, in a game or something high performance, you will always be your best practice. So mm-hmm. the more you've prepared for yourself, the better your performance will be. You'll never be your very, very best performance. You'll always be like the, that thing that you can absolutely make sure to maintain. So in this case, n- knowing that I have habits such as like drinking enough glasses of water, trying to get exercise every day, um, I very much try to build myself just routines. So doing the same things in the same order, giving myself a to-do list, um, replying to my emails first thing, doing work, and then in the evening taking time off, making sure that I'm cooking for myself as much as I can are really, really important. And for this, I'm obsessed with, again, watching YouTube videos on like days in the life, morning routines, productive habits. Like, these are things that I really, really love to do. Um, I think they really help me just get in a right mindset where I can take on any day um, instead of waking up in the morning and thinking, oh no, not again. Mm-hmm. I love all of them. And I think building routines is something that's so important because it keeps you grounded in any kind of circumstance. Yeah, and each it's, it's not that your routine has to be some like mind blowing, like aesthetic thing that everyone has. It can be something as simple as I get up, I walk two laps around my room and then I sit down at my desk and start. And then that means that you don't wake up with this sort of like, oh, what do I need to do today? Oh, this is really difficult. This is a huge first thing. But if you start with something small that is every day and is second nature, you're already out and you're already do something. And then everything else sort of is so much easier from there. Mm -hmm. And it's training your brain. I love that. So now we're coming on to the last few questions that we were asking each student on this mini series. My first one for you is what's your biggest achievement? Yeah, I mean, I'm really lucky and really fortunate to say that there are a lot of things in my life that have been huge achievements for me. Um, And everything in my life that I achieve, I think like, wow, like how am I the person who gets to experience this? But perhaps something that always rings to me as really one of the most life-changing achievements, I think was just the day that I got into Oxford or like the day that I received my A-level grades because that's something you've worked so many years for. But more importantly, it was something that my family worked for my grandparents didn't go to university. My parents were the first generation to go to university. They went to Portugal. They went to university in Portugal. They then came to England so that we got a better education, me and my brother. And suddenly, like, now their child is going to Oxford, like one of the best universities in the world. So that was a really big achievement for me because it felt like it wasn't something that was just for me. It was something that was for everyone who wanted to achieve something um, before then. And I just remember, like, my mum crying and then my grandparents like most times you go to university and you, you or I don't know, I, I'd achieve something and have to explain to my grandparents what that achievement was. But saying I go and got into Oxford, they immediately knew what that was. And that was really special, I think. I love that. And now my last question for you is one that really sums up our entire conversation. And that is what's your biggest piece of advice to women who are about to start university? I think, well, something, and, and this is completely unrelated, the story that's going to lead on to this, but um, Yesterday, I had a meeting with my study skills advisor talking about the thesis that I'm about to start writing. 
Um, and we were talking about how I can do my readings effectively, like read my different articles so that I can write the best thesis. And what she said to me is when you read each article, know what you want to get out of that article, like have the question that you want that article to answer in the forefront of your mind when you then go to start reading that article. And I think that's very much the same about anyone who's about to start university. And that's think to yourself before you start, what do I want to get out of this opportunity? What am I going to university for? Am I going to have a great time, make friends and party? In which case, there are your priorities. Am I going to get a first class degree? In which case, there's your priority. Or am I here just to sort of, you know, reflect, learn and grow a bit as an adult? In which case, there you go. And then I think from there, once you know what you want to get out of the opportunity, it's so much easier to know what to prioritize, to not beat yourself up when something doesn't happen because, hey, like, that's a cool extra, but it's not my priority. Um, and then so many things just from there fall into place a lot easier when you know what you're trying to get out of that university experience. So I think that's something really important for me. And then it means that when you leave university, you can kind of reflect on that purpose and, and whether you think that it's been a valuable opportunity for you. Yeah, that's such good advice because it gives you the freedom to let stuff go. If it's not your priority, you can let it go and just let it be. And that's okay. Yeah. And it's, it's not to say that you can't do things that are not in your priority, but just that they, it's all right if they don't get as much attention or go as successfully that like you can never prioritize everything. But because you've chosen what you prioritize, then that means that it's all in your control, what you um, choose to be better at and what you choose to just do for fun or not do at all. I love that. Joanna, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. This was a lovely conversation and there was so much to get out of it. So thank you so much. No, thank you so much for having me, Josie. I've had a lovely time and sorry, I'm such a rambler. I talk forever. So I hope for anyone listening, they haven't gotten bored already, but thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Her Ambition with Josie's Acquire Ashuka. I would really appreciate if you could rate, review and subscribe so that more young women can find out about us. Find all our episode and social media details in the show notes below. Music